Exodus, if you would. Exodus chapter number 3. Exodus 3, starting in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, Unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for, Lord, recording this, Lord, time in history for our learning, for us to look at and to see that you had a plan and that you had a man for that plan, God, and that you uh, enabled him and blessed him and used him. God, I pray that you would bless our Sunday school class this morning. I pray that you would, um, God, use it to challenge our hearts. I thank you for that. Lord, I know that uh, there's several requests this morning, different needs throughout our our class, and we're short on time this morning, but God, I pray that you'd be with our folks in our class. I know there's folks praying for jobs and praying for finances, for, Lord, some for their own health, some for health of others, Lord. I think of many different situations. Thank you for salvation, testimonies, people that got an opportunity to lead people to the Lord this week. Thank you for our visitors, Lord. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would bless those that invited them. Lord, thank you for bringing our preacher back safely from Mexico yesterday. I pray that you bless him today as he preaches to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, several things. First of all, let me just say a couple things quickly. I know, we're, like I said, we're short on time this morning. Brother Tom told me he had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody this week. And a uh, blessing that that was. We had a great day out teen soul winning yesterday. 
with the young people. I enjoyed it. I saw many of you out for Super Saturday soul winning. I appreciate those of you that were able to be here and your faithfulness in that. I know the Lord will bless it. Um, pray for Brother Judah. He's down preaching um, today at a church. There's one of our college students, Aaron Cox, who had a brother that's uh, 18 or 19 years old in the military. He was stationed down in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and uh, went out for a swim in the ocean with some of his friends. And I don't know what exactly happened, but they couldn't find him for about a day or two, and they found his body, and he uh, passed away. And so, of course, pray for our student Aaron Cox, but pray for the Cox family. That's where Brother Judah is this morning, is down there preaching. I believe he's going to preach the funeral and uh, preaching at that church, but some a, a family with some very, very heavy hearts today. Pray for a, a friend of mine, Pastor Ken Jordan, pastor's up in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, his father, he got, Brother Jordan was here for youth conference, and the first night of youth conference, he got news that um, his father was diagnosed with cancer, very unexpected, and just last night I got a text from him that they put his dad on hospice and expect it not to be very long um, before he goes home to be with the Lord. So pray for the Jordan family. A lot of heavy hearts, but also a lot of great things happening, and I am I'm excited for what God is doing. This uh, lesson this morning, Philippians 4.13, has been, for as long as I can remember, my life verse, if you can call it that. I have a lot of verses in the Bible that I like, but I really like Philippians 4.13. And my wife is smiling back there because we were just talking uh, a few weeks ago about that very thing. I think I mentioned it last week that uh, we were, I forget, somebody was preaching or giving a testimony in, in church, and they mentioned Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I was sitting there, and my wife, probably the thing that she tells me as much, if not more than anything else, is, honey, you can't do everything. But it just hit me when I heard that verse. I said, honey, that's why I think I can do everything, because my life verse is, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The Bible says I can do everything. That's why I think that I can do everything. But there's something about that idea, what Moses said here when he said to the Lord, he goes, you know, a very familiar story, the burning bush, and he goes before the bush. And God tells Moses, who's just been for 40 years, a shepherd on the backside of the desert, just taking care of sheep. You know, obviously he was raised in the palace and all that. Then he killed somebody, thought it was a secret, found out the next day it wasn't a secret, and took off for the wilderness and spent 40 years on the back, backside of the wilderness just uh, tending sheep, being a shepherd. And God used that in his life to prepare him for what he had for the next step. It's not very common, as you can imagine, probably walking through the wilderness and turning to the side and seeing a bush on fire, just for no apparent reason, first of all. And then, it just keeps... It's just, the fire is there, but the bush is just fine. He sees it, he goes over to kind of investigate. God tells him, hey, take off, take off your shoes, the place you're standing is holy ground. He does, and God says, I have a plan. And then he proceeds to tell Moses what his plan is. He says, I'm going to deliver my people and you're going to be my spokesman. And Moses says, why me? <laughs> you got the wrong guy. You called the wrong number. I got, you know, 
I, I remember when I was, when I was a teenager, um, we were having VBS at the church, at my dad's church, and I happened to be in the office, and the phone rang, and it was, my mom was a secretary, my dad was the pastor, and somebody called, and I oftentimes would, during school or other times, would sit in the office and answer phones if my mom had to be away for something, and so the phone rang, it's during VBS, I pick up the phone, and I said, Wild Baptist Church, this is Aaron King speaking. Well, my dad's last name is King. The people that called obviously didn't, weren't real familiar with the church. And it was this lady, and she was ticked off. And she said, Brother King! And she just ripped into me, thinking I was my dad. And it was a, a, a mom of a bus child that the bus uh, had not picked up her child because they weren't ready or whatever and she called the bus captain and they wouldn't come back and get all you know the typical bus story of somebody that's you know it happens all the time every week but this lady was upset and uh she just she just ripped into me and i wanted to say to her you're talking to the wrong guy i'm just a teenager i'm probably 16 years old but i just sat there and listened and uh, I listened to her, and she told me this whole story, and I said, I am so sorry, ma'am. I said, I, I'll make sure that I talk to the bus captain and see if we can, you know, try to solve the problem. Okay, that's all that I wanted. I appreciate I know it wasn't your fault, and I know, you know, da, da, da. she was all fine. She was apologetic. She hung up the phone, still thinking she was talking to my dad. I just let her think that. I knew it. I knew what dad would say, but... It was the wrong number. I, I, I the wrong person. Right number, wrong person. I kind of get the feeling that's kind of where Moses was like looking around. Surely you can't be talking to me. There must be somebody else here that I don't see. You got the wrong guy. I'm a shepherd. I'm out here taking care of sheep, and I'm fine with that. But God said, you're the one I want. But he said something very, very important in verse Number 11, he says, who am I? In verse number 12, God replies to him and said, certainly I will be with thee. I will be with thee. I know last week we spent some time talking about Joseph and the fact that his testimony was that the Lord was with him. It's interesting to me, I was, like I said, Philippians 4.13 has been one of my favorite verses. I, I love that verse. But I was, I don't know, probably in my early 20s. And something just kind of occurred to me that probably has occurred to you a hundred times before, but I'm a slow learner. Okay? And I saw, I was thinking about that, and I read over in the book of John. Turn over to the book of John, if you would. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse number 5, John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The end of the verse says this, For without me ye can do nothing. Very simply this morning, the 
title of my Sunday school lesson, if you will, this morning is All or Nothing. All or Nothing. God says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. In other words, with Christ, with Him in me, and me in Him, it says, I'll bring forth the verse we just read, John 15.5. Bring, I'll bring forth much fruit. If I abide in him and he abides in me. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But then he follows that up with, without me, you can do nothing. When, I, when, when it finally occurred to me as I was reading that, and there's another place also that the Bible says, without me, ye can do nothing. If you think about it, for you and I today, it really is one or the other. Without God, there's nothing I can do. And with God, there's nothing I can't do. If God gives me something to do with His help, there's nothing I can't do. There are many times things that seem to be daunting tasks. The fact of the matter is, raising a family, raising children... Without him, I'll fail. Having a marriage, being married to my wife, being the husband that my wife needs and deserves, without him, I'll fail. Being a soul winner, going out, telling people about the Lord. If I'm going to do that without him, if I try to do that in my own power, I'll fail. Being a preacher, being a teacher, being a whatever it is that you are, He says, without me, ye can do nothing. And the more that I think about that, and the more that we just break that down to the very simplest of things, the fact of the matter is, literally, without him, I won't take another breath. I won't take another step. I won't say another word. Every single second of my day only exists because he allows it. When he says, without me, you can do nothing, he's not kidding. I understand that passage talking about bearing fruit, being a fruit-bearing Christian. If we're going to do that, we need the Lord's help. We need to abide in him. I understand all that. But just to, to very much break it down very simply, literally, without him, there's nothing I can't, nothing I can do. I need his help. But at the same time, on the other side of that, one of my favorite stories as far as overcoming obstacles, when I was a youth pastor in Michigan, my wife and I had taken the teenagers on a trip. We went to Wisconsin to a church. A man had started a church, and we took a couple of 15-passenger vans full of teenagers over there for the weekend and uh, just blitzed their whole city and three surrounding cities, put flyers for their church on every door and Two, two other cities, I guess. So a total of three cities, every door. Teenagers just running, running, running for two days straight, running from door to door. Hit every single door. And on that trip, we stopped by the sand dunes over here in Indiana. None of the kids had ever been there before. It was a favorite place for our family to go over to Mount Baldy when you could still go up Mount Baldy. And uh, we parked there at the base of Mount Baldy. And all the kids, so I know there's a long way around, but that's just boring. You've got to go straight up the backside of it because that's just 
what youth pastors do. And so all the kids take off, and we had one girl that, I mean, before she ever started, just looking at the hill, she said, I can't do it. Never stepped foot on the sand before she said, she said to my wife, she said, Mrs. King, her name was Sarah Pruitt. She said, Mrs. King, I can't do it. There is no way. And my wife is a lot like me. That's why, well, in some ways she is, a lot of other ways she's not, praise God. But she said, Sarah, not only can you do it, you're going to do it. Mrs. King, just leave me here. I'll be fine. I'll just wait here for everybody else. She said, no, you've got to go. You've got to go. And all the way up that hill, Sarah's climbing and she would fall. And it's pretty steep. And she would fall in the sand and she'd fall down. And quarter of the way up the hill, she was crying. And my wife has no mercy at all for stuff like that. She says, come on, get up, pull her up. She's half pulling her, half pushing her, half dragging her. Yelling at her the whole time. I think if she'd have had a whip, she'd have used it. She was cracking the whip. She says, you've got to make it up this hill. Everybody else is up over the hill, all the way down to the lake there at Lake Michigan by this time. And I'm kind of hanging back with my wife, helping her to encourage Sarah. And I'm coming, you know, over checking on the kids. Come back, check on them. Y'all okay? Yeah, okay. Back over, checking back and forth. Finally, I mean, kicking and screaming literally, crying the whole nine yards, wanting to go back, turning around a couple times, trying to go back, my wife not allowing her to. Sarah Pruitt finally got to the top of the hill. She made it. And when she got to the top of the hill, she looked over the hill. She was already crying about other stuff, but she started crying a different kind of crying. And she looked at my wife and she said, thank you for not letting me quit. Because if I'd have quit, I'd have never seen this. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. It was a battle the whole way. And my wife told her the whole way, you can do this. And Sarah said the whole way, no, I can't. And my wife said, yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. You're going to. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. Yes, you can. Anytime before she crossed over the crest of that hill, if she'd have quit, she would have missed what was on the other side of that hill. She would have missed what, in her own words, was one of the most beautiful things she'd ever seen. It may have made it a little more beautiful, the battle she had to go through to see it. But regardless, in our lives, when God gives us something to do, There's no doubt. Brother Judah said something the other day. We was talking to the teenagers last week, uh, Saturday, before Teen Soul Winning Marathon. He said, and I think I might even have mentioned that last week, but he said this. He said, anything that God ordains, the devil opposes. If God gives you something to do, the devil will bring some, some sort of obstacles in your way. You can count on it. Because his mission is to oppose what the, what, what God's trying to accomplish in us and through us. And once we understand that, and once we look at that, and that I can't tell you how many times, that's one of the reasons that I love Philippians 4.13. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go back to that verse of Scripture and say, okay, Lord, I know for sure that I can't do this. 
but I'm very confident for this reason or that. I've prayed about it. I've sought counsel about it. I believe that this is what you want me to do. I don't understand it. I don't understand how it's going to work. I don't understand if it's even going to work, but I believe it's what you want, and so I'm going to go forward. But here's the thing. If I want his blessing, if I want his help, I have to make sure that I'm with him. That I'm working in him and through him. He says, without me. Remember in, in John, John 15, 5 there, he says, He that abideth in me and I in him. He'll, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Which means the only part of that equation that can change is us leaving him. He says, without me, once you get outside of me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I need God. You need God. And really, when I, if I was to say to you, you've got two options. You can, be, you can face life with being able to take anything that comes your way. Or you can pretty much fail in every way at life sooner or later. All or nothing. Anybody with common sense would say, I'm going to pick the all. We've got to be with God in order for that to happen. In our homes, in our families, in our daily lives, in our jobs, wherever it is, we need to make sure, we must make sure that we're walking with God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, I thank you that we can do all things through Christ, but I thank you for the reminder that without you, we can do nothing. God, without you, I couldn't have got out of bed this morning. Without you, we wouldn't have been able to drive to church this morning. Without you, I wouldn't be able to speak. I wouldn't be able to breathe. I wouldn't be able to share the gospel with people. I wouldn't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Lord, there's so many things that without you are impossible. But Lord, at the same time, with you, I can raise children that love God. I can be a godly husband to my wife. I can be a Sunday school teacher. I can be Lord, a soul winner, I can be anything that you ask me to be. But I need your help. I pray that you'd help us to be with you. Thank you for, Lord, encouraging Moses with that thought. And, Lord, everybody that's attempted to do anything for you since then. Lord, if we're with you, you'll always be with us. Thank you for that. Bless our morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great morning. Numbered every grain of sand, kings and